You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Erev Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizcho Daraisa. And I'm not here with Rav Yosef Gabriel Bechhofer. Rav Yosef Gabriel Bechhofer, for very personal reasons, uh, cannot be here uh, today. Uh, instead, I am here with my very esteemed colleague, uh, who, although I don't know if he shares the same sort of resichus, but definitely uh, a, a, a strong opinionated person who I actually love his opinions all the time, uh, whether I agree with him or not. And that is Rabbi Shmuel's case, the Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva of Newark. Shmuel, thank you for filling in for Rabbi Yosef. I know it's uh, it's tough uh, to to fill those shoes, but uh, I, I am, I'm, I'm happy that we could talk, especially on the heels of uh, today is actually Hey Year, so we're actually on Israel Independence Day, so we can. Uh, and I think that. It's worthwhile, although many people listen to this after Shabbos. I think it's worthwhile discussing a little bit about our some reflections on on Yom Atzmut. Um, before I do that, though, a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Yom Atzmut, of course, is Israel Independence Day, and I think it's not too early to start thinking about American Independence Day, July Fourth, which for many people will be a day off, and they'll be able to celebrate the greatness of this country. And nothing goes better with July. That with July 4th, then the provisions provided by Abels and Hyman, they are the king of your July 4th barbecue. I mean, they are the ones that you're waiting for to provide all different wonderful types of sausages and chicken franks um, that are low in nitrates or completely no nitrates at all. It's succulent sausages, meats, of all different types, they also have started once again uh, putting out their patties, which, as you remember, up this case that we've had at our uh, yeshiva events, which are top of the line, as I always say, tacos akashas for tacos atam. Start thinking about it because nothing can enhance your barbecue and your celebration as much as the A and H product line. So. Now that we took care of a little bit of, uh, of housekeeping business, let's talk about, the, the, and it's really strange, you know, because I, I, I talk about it, people treat in Israel, right? They treat it, they treat yesterday, like, like, like they modeled it after a July 4th or Bastille Day type of event. They're, they're out there cooking, barbecuing, right? Have, have you ever been part of a, of, of a Yom Atzmut celebration in, in Israel? Sure. I lived in Israel for seven years and... Um... I taught at Bar Ilan University for three of those years, and uh, sure, there was a big Yom Atzmaut ceremony on at, on campus, and our uh, students participated. And um, I was just going to say though that this year there was actually something very fundamentally different than July Fourth, uh, because Israel finally banned the usage of um, fireworks at their official ceremonies in deference to the soldiers who have PTSD. Wow. And, and this is consistent with Israel. Israel is actually ahead of the rest of the world in, in helping their soldiers deal with PTSD because um, as studies have shown that Israeli soldiers, for a number of reasons, Israeli soldiers are less likely to come down with PTSD in the first place. And when they do come down with it, they're 
they are able to deal with their symptoms and um, recover from it more quickly than in other countries. And one of the reasons is that because everybody serves in the army, which is obviously where this conversation is going to have to go at some point. Sure. <laughs> so the feeling of being different and uh, something's wrong with me, it doesn't exist to the same extent uh, when, when, a, when a soldier comes home with PTSD. When a, in Israel, when a soldier comes home with PTSD, his brother, his neighbor, his cousin, his uncle all know exactly what he's been through and will share their own stories of PTSD. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a feeling of support. And, and, and even if he's having symptoms, which usually include very quick reactions and, 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 and you know, anger outbursts and things like that, People are understanding because they've seen it before. It's not so crazy. It's not considered crazy and unusual. And therefore, that, that seems to be, at least that's the th- one of the theories why the symptoms seem to abate much more quickly in Israel. Yeah, yeah. you really bring up a great point because although on, an, on a sort of an external level, as soon as you know, the Medina was uh, established and they started on their own celebrating Hey ER as... Yom Atzmut, they clearly modeled themselves after the, the Western ideal, which included fireworks. And fireworks, of course, are based on the fact the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, right? It's, it's all about remembering the battles of the revolution or the, whatever it is. And, and, and we look at fireworks, like from we're talking about, it's just a way for kids to be nuts, right? It's just a way to, 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 to go out there and see how beautiful it is. But it's really supposed to be reflective of, of a battle where people were dying and people were, were being bombed, just like as we've seen those images terribly coming from Maripol and all those places in the Ukraine. So you're right. We look at fireworks as just like a kinder shazach. Oh, the kids are doing it. The fireworks is so much. So, but really, it's it, it's very much reminiscent of what a battle, uh, what a, what the battles were like, and 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 therefore, you see that American Independence Day, because of the hundreds of years of distance, and because as you as as you say, how many people who who go out to the park and celebrate American Independence Day have any connection to being a soldier? Or being a, or anyone fighting is just an excuse to really have Abel's and Hyman or whatever you're going to have, and and you know, and hang out with family. Whereas in Eretz Yisrael, Yom Atzmut, despite its 74 years, it's still in a way a bonding aspect of everybody who's been in the army, and uh, and that's why you know, uh, you know, my son sent me a beautiful picture. Um, you know, my son was a Chayel Boded who served in the army. Um, proudly, he and his wife and his daughter, they joined a whole group of families in, in the park. And I, I don't say that it was a solemn celebration, but, but you're correct. There was a, uh, a greater sense of connection uh, that this isn't, uh, it's not just because of the existential threat to Israel, but it's also, as you say, so many people have served, so many people have had to fight, so many people have given so much of their of their lives and, and their families' lives towards that thing. Um, now, now, and again, I speak about my son. Now, now your son, who is, I think, a little bit older than mine, he actually is is, is still uh, very much in uh, in the army, right? Very much as part of the Israeli army. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, he he um, he served in the army for uh, and actually worked for the army after his basic training for a couple of years. Um, 
He served in various capacities, uh, including one which was very interesting, which was recruiting. Uh, at one point, it had to do with people who were making Aliyah. But at, at another point, uh, he was served in the department that dealt with recruitment from the Haredi community, which is a very interesting uh, situation to be in. Uh, and also, uh, but since then, he became a, um, a chaplain. Uh, they, they call it a... a um, Oh, I forgot the Israeli designation for it. Shows you how Israeli I am. Uh, but uh, he became a chaplain in the army, which is an officer position. And he now is um, the commander of, of a, a division that, uh, I think it's called a division. Uh, you'll, those who are listening who know the actual terminology for this might uh, uh, take issue with some of my terminology. So I apologize in advance. But uh, he's a commander of a division that is essentially the Hever Kaddisha of the army, meaning this uh, uh, this group goes in when there is when there are casualties. They go in and they take care of uh, collecting the remains and uh, and returning the remains to to uh, and all the way to the kvura, preparing them for the kvura and and the kvura. So it's actually a very uh, talk about trauma. It's a it's a position that uh, puts him and the soldiers that he, that that he that are under him in in a in a situation of dealing with trauma almost every time they're called up, um, so it is it's it's a pretty serious uh, position. He you know aside from the miluim of the one month that everybody does in miluim in uh, the reserves, he also um, is constantly has to go to meetings and he's constantly so it's not a full time job, but he is uh, very involved year round in um, in in. In his in his position, you know, you know in, in, in in sort of a different type of iteration about uh, about the significance of you know nobody no actual corpse left behind that uh, there was because many I don't know if your son's unit was involved in this but part of it was if someone has fallen in battle that even though there's still firing going on we go to do whatever we can to get that person back, even though it would seem, as the Gemara t- teaches us, as great of a, as a person is once he dies, there's covet amaze, but you don't uh, do things that can endanger yourself in order to be able to do that. So halakhically, the question came up, these, 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 this, this unit is going and getting people off the field of battle, endangering themselves. And, and it's not necessarily to gain any sort of strategic advantage in any way. It's not like, you know, Sergeant York, who risks his life to, to somehow throw a grenade into the World War I Germans and somehow, you know, be a hero. It, it, it's, it doesn't, it has no uh, seemingly uh, advantage. And the post can actually speak about the idea of morale. In other words, the fact that they know in other words, the soldiers know that their bodies aren't going to be left there. Actually, allows them to fight and give over. But and, and, and so it's 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 an interesting halachic uh, aspect here of how this thing works. And I've I've talked about it and seen people writing about it. And it, it, it's it, it, and again, it, it really is in a way sort of a Western uh, ideal that comes from you know the Western ideas of. Of, of who we are as brothers, we're a band of brothers and soldiers. So even though this is sort of a halachic arm, they're there really to provide that sort of morale to the rest of the soldiers, to know that 
people like your son and their unit are there, that they aren't just going to be, if they end up being killed, they know that they will be brought home and they will be brought to that. And it's... Awesome. Yeah, well, one could argue that it's actually not a Western ideal. That 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 it, maybe it's based on the on the Torah ideal of uh, you know when Moshe Rabbeinu asks uh, the Shvatim who wanted to stay on the other side of the Yarden, he says to them, "What do you mean you're not going to be involved in the battle like uh, for Eretz Yisrael?" Are you and- going to be right? Well, the idea of morale, I agree. The idea, but the idea of no, that we don't leave the bodies. That's the point. The idea of, of morale, we know that you're right. That's from the Torah itself, but but the idea of, of pushing it to the point that we're actually going to send a person under fire, go out there and, and get that person. I'm not going to let him stay out there, right? That, that, that itself is. But but once look, we all know that we we can't help but be influenced by whether it's these whether it's some sort of movie we saw or whatever it is. Look, I I still remember the time I saw Platoon. I don't know if you've ever seen Platoon. I think halachically it has now become very, very much justified. And I'm sure it means a lot to him. I, I, what I find interesting though, is that, you know, you say he's, he, he does his own job. He's been doing it 10 years. Now our sons are pretty close in age within one or two years for each other. <clears throat> and yet my son who was a Chayel Bodein and was talked into it uh, by uh, a great propaganda machine. He went there to Israel to learn and the great propaganda machine, you know, got its, clutches into him and how great it was going to be um and um they even you know took a film of them all going and, and going on nefesh benefesh and bb came to the um to the to the airport to welcome him and i remember when i as a parent was looking into it and i i, I went to one of these meetings that all the chayobodei parents were going to and i said you know but his his unit that he's going into this, which is not Nachal Haredi, was one of the infantry units. I said maybe Nachal Haredi would be a better place for him to go, and they said no, no, that's where you have the Shababniks, that's where you have the guys who are the bums, the guys who who really can't make it anywhere. These are like the guys who are emotionally in much better shape, um, they're much more normal. I said, well, you know, he's not, but they're not religious. They said, no, no. They're healthy. It's much, you know, don't go with these bums over there. Now, it turned out, though, that uh, that it was extremely difficult for my son there because the lack of sensitivity to his religiosity was 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 was, was incredible. Um, they didn't understand his sequence. Like, they would go out to an area for on Shabbos. And although, you know, he, my son would say, "When we can go this way, where's the Eruv? Right? We're out here. You can't go. Right? It, it, how necessary? Nah, right? So it, it's not like they were feeding him treif, but they weren't aware of Hilchas Eruvin. They weren't aware of of many. And my son is no great, you know, Rav Chaim Kanievsky Satalman. You know, he just understood what, what's happening here. Um, there, there was Shabbosim. You know, they scraped together a minion by barely." Um, and even that was 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 very much dismissed when he would go into Davin Mariv routinely uh, because he wanted the Davin Mariv his his food would be eaten by you know, some of the other recruits when I went to when I went to visit him and when my other son got married uh, we had to take him back to the base and one of the fellows came out there and said to me 
you know, Adon, and he wanted to talk to him. He says, I don't understand. He says, you know, we, we, we can't even comprehend why your son is here. <laughs> why would he even have come, right? And therefore, it, 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 part of it was the language, but part of it was, I don't get it. Are you crazy? Why did you leave America to come here? You had no family and to, and to serve and to stand guard and to be here. And, and, and although eventually um, he was able to really work because he had a very high profile, the profile was very high. I, I, I pulled some strings and I was able to get his profile changed and he was able to spend the last year of his service um, as a makash, which I think is the mashkiach of Kashrus, and he got a nice training. Um, you know, uh, maybe he can take over for me in A and H one day <laughs> if he ever decides to leave Eretz Yisrael. But he, but and and he was able to learn and to be, and, and the type of uh, positions that he had were a lot different and much more conducive to a religious life. Now that's not that was very different than your son's experience. Why don't you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, there are a couple of reasons why, I think. Um, so first of all, my son learned in Eretz Yisrael for uh, a bunch of years, uh, probably about four or five years. Um, and he, uh, now that he learned, he, he got married and had and got smicha um, in our um, Sameach as an Arlagola pro- program, which trains uh Rabbanim, uh, people to be rabbis and to do specifically to do Kiruv. And uh, he did all of that before he went to the army. When he went to the army, they said, you're too old. And he had to fight to get in because, uh, and he did, and he did so um, because of uh, his, his belief that uh, living in Eretz Yisrael means also being a part of defending Eretz Yisrael. He did it out of uh, a uh, idealistic belief. So by the time he was doing his basic training, he was um, a little bit, it sounds like older than, than your son was when he did his, his basic training. And he was also had been trained as a Kirov rabbi. So he actually became sort of the, uh, the unofficial, um, you know, ra- religious leader of his, of his group because he was a little bit older than the other recruits. And he was... Um, and he was a, uh, you know, uh, he's a, uh, he has a lot of information. He had already, he already had smicha. So it, it was, he was just, you know, when he, when he was asking for things or talking about things, he was doing it from a position of, of uh, authority as opposed to. You know. and, and also let's, let's not forget, I think really a, a salient point that we actually encounter every day, as much as we say that the playing field is level in Israel or that all among Jews doesn't make a difference, color or language. We know that this ability to speak fluently the yeah. language of the country is, is, is so important. Now, my son, whether it was through Upan or through Osmosis, is able to articulate himself and speak the language. But we all know that the Israelis have super antenna up about who's really an Israeli and who's trying to fake the Israeli accent. And they know right away. Um, right. it, it, the truth is, it's embarrassing, and I've talked about this. Like the Israelis, when they sense you're American, they say they 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 revert to their really laughable English, and and their horrible translations. You know, I always tell the Israelis, you know, and they'll say, no, 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 I am from Jerusalem. I said, look, 
יכול להיות שאני לא יכול לדבר עברית כמוך, אבל גם אמריקאי שלא מדבר שום מילה בעברית, הוא לא אומר ג'רוסלם. אצלו זה ירושלים, They sort of view, but, but I think it's, it, it's true. When, when someone is not really, as we say in Yiddish, I think walls go up, walls of misunderstanding and not cruelty, but the type of insensitivity that, that my son uh, experienced. Sure. And my son, we lived in Ertzestrol uh, for seven years, and those seven years were his... Uh, elementary school years, so uh, he spoke Ivrit uh, fluently at a very, very young age, and actually he he does um, his reading, uh, he considers Hebrew to be more of a, almost his first language, even though we spoke English at home, but his reading, um, he read everything in Ivrit uh, as a child, we bought him, you know, uh, all the books that we bought him were, were Ivrit, and this little, uh, the weekly little readers that they have for kids in Israel, and so on. And so he was very, very steeped in it. So you're absolutely correct that uh, when he would speak, as a matter of fact, they would be, they would be surprised to find out that, that he spoke English so well. Um, that, that was a surprise to them. And actually, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that when he actually started working for the army, they, they, were, they considered that to be a, uh, a, a, you know, a, a pro, like, you know, the an unusual thing for their soldiers to have to have a soldier that speaks if writ that well but also speaks English very well yeah and it's it really is a uh, uh, you know it's un, it's unfortunate because you know we always talk about Israeli Hasbara and what they try to do uh, but but I think that the playing field is not level and, and I think this really affects even uh, you know Olim you know the, you know Israel always says come to Israel we have room for you there It isn't, isn't, it isn't so much that the opportunities for work are, I don't think there, I think there still remains a distance between uh, someone who is, who is an immigrant from another country who doesn't speak the language the way you do, who also, especially the Americans who didn't go to the army like our children did, who didn't have that army experience, it's almost like you can't understand me. Um, uh, you know, when, I, when, when, when look, When I came to really secular sort of uh, situation, the army uh, experience is, 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 is front and center. And if, if, if someone is missing that, let's say, you know, Le Chadash is missing that, despite other talents that they have, it's like, yeah, I'll file this away, you know, in some dead letter box. And I yeah. think that, so, so I think that despite the, the, the official line, Come to Israel, it's so you know, we'll find so many of my friends found it very, very difficult to be able to 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 be to actually make it in 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 regular Israeli society. The army is so is so much part and parcel of 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 where my first conversation with you goes, and also and I, and this is really I think even deeper there's a a sense that Army training is what you need to be an effective decision maker. Um, if you haven't had it, you're soft, uh, you, you, you're undisciplined, and, and therefore there's this, how can I use you and promote you when you didn't go through that? And I, I don't know if that could ever be knocked out of, uh, of, of the Israeli mentality. 
That's an interesting one. I mean, I think I think you're right about that. I think that um, that that experience of being, um, you know, rigorously trained and expected to, uh, you know, uh, exist within a very strict structure uh, is actually, I mean, they're not completely wrong about that, right? Like there's, there's definitely something to that. And, um, you know, I mean, it gets to some deeper issues. I don't know if you want to go, the, the conversation to go in this direction, but it gets to the question of like, um, when we have training for anything. So for example, in yeshivas, right, uh, today, there are very, very few tests, right? Unless you're particularly studying for smicha or unless you have a particular yeshiva where they, where they have that kind of structure. There's different kinds of structures. There's shachris at a certain time and there's, and there's mincha at a certain time. But, but, the, but the, the structure is, is relatively loose and perhaps for good reason because we believe it's a value of Talmud Torah and therefore somebody's learning you know, whether they know whether how well they actually know it you could argue maybe shouldn't be the metric by which uh one one is judged while they're sitting and learning during their yeshiva years but one could argue that the uh that that, that rigorous structure does bring out does train people to make better decisions does train people to think more uh, uh deeply and more creatively in some ways and uh, you know, one could make one could make an argument that that, that that there's something correct about that. Right. Yeah. Well, right. But we always know that you have to be open enough. Activity. Uh, why we've fallen out of the ranks of the top twenty uh, industrial nations in terms of test scores, and, and we understand that. Um, I guess what you know, as far as in terms of risk daraisa you know, in terms of like in the Torah thing, I guess the the idea that, you know, how negative is it that, you know, we, we talk about the negativity being in the army, but how negative is, is that, that, that not, there isn't more kids getting that experience? Uh, again, if you're going to sort of be an elitist and say, well, the top, top super brains who have scored out, we are going to potter you from, from the army. We want you to be the, the, the thinkers, right? But everybody else, real, as, as, as Littman wanted to do, everybody else is going to go. And going is going to be beneficial. It's, it's first of all, it's going to allow, and again, this, this isn't going to help the Americans, but it will help so many of the Israeli yeshiva life all of our friends who, who who stayed in Eretz Israel, their children and grandchildren, will there would be a way to break the barrier between them and the secular Israelis. There'll be a way. It's not going to answer all the questions, but it will at least be, begin a conversation. Uh, they will be able to feel a commonality, and as you just said, they will be infused with a discipline to to work and get things done, to be inventive. Uh, and, and 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 to understand as a and I, I so I I I don't know I I, mean, I haven't had my ear to the ground in Israeli politics and what's going on but do you see any do you think it's going to change at all in terms of because um, you know, a couple of years ago they were talking about it is happening more from kids are going it's I, I don't think it's going to change that much for two two reasons uh, one is. Reason number one is that the Haredi community, whether in Israel or here in America, 
operates uh, with on, on the the main principle uh, is fear and um, fear of the outside, fear of exposure, uh, fear of kids going off the derech. And therefore, as long as that is the primary driving factor of the community, um, anything, any change like this is going to be seen as, uh, as terrifying. The second reason is that the, um, in my opinion, the Haredi um, system is, uh, has reason to fear this because it's not good enough. It doesn't, if we have a great chinuch uh, system, why would we be afraid of our kids being exposed to non-religious uh, um, peers? I mean, if you think about it for a moment, it's, 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 it's astonishing. I mean, like, we're, we're so proud of our yeshivas and our chinuch system and so on and so forth, but we're terrified to, please, whatever you do, don't let them be exposed to anything from the outside. I mean, what that exposes really is the fact that we're not doing a very good job. We're doing a good job at teaching them the rules, but we're not doing a very good job at inculcating them with the values that would allow those rules to be uh, seen as badges of pride rather than, um, uh, you know, weighing them down when exposed to the outside. So for those two reasons, our primary directive is fear, and there's good reason to fear, so therefore I don't think it's going to change very soon at all. And, and, well, well, there are some yeshivas that you know do buckle down. They don't necessarily have the same type of get on your belly and go under you know barbed wire fence as basic training in the army. But there are yeshivas that have. Kol Torah was famous for that when I was a bacher, and they were like the Yekeshi yeshiva that was different. But there has been a little bit of a turn towards a more, even in the Haredi world. Uh, there's going to be beginners. There's going to be you have to be able to do this much. Uh, you have to accomplish, and and, and you have to uh, show up and 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 really show uh, indicators of your accomplishments. You have to actually show data that's going to 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 be able to do that to justify that. And I think that you know I worked as a um, I told you about some of my experiences. I worked as a um, as an inspector for arts where I would go to some of the most prominent yeshivas in the United States. And consistently, not just because I'm a troublemaker at art, talk to the yeshivas about how did you come up with these grades? How did you come up with this? I mean, wow, what data data are you basing it on? I'm looking at these transcripts and I'm saying, what? All A's, every single one, what? and well, I speak with them, I see them, and, and and we know you and I both know, especially now. You know, you have been you know going to school, and 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 and, and a, a, you're a, a virtual Rabbi Akiva Sheni, right? Going back to, uh, to going back to, so you understand how crucial it is to actually work and and, and achieve and 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 a, a fair test that indicates where you're holding and how much you've done. And if it's just going to be sloppy and based on, um, you know, touchy-feely, or like I remember, you know, there were shifts, and I used to hear this consistently. I know how they're holding in, in, in Aloha. How do you know? From the shilas, they asked me. They come and ask me, these shilas, I can see they're holding Aloha. I said, you know, there was another person 
who was able to do that pretty well, Asav. I mean, he was able to, you know, he was able to ask, yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive when he asked Yitzhak these questions. oh, you know, there's ways to, to right? Yeah. Or, they, or they, they would tell me, I, I know I'm giving them an A on their Musr Seder. I said, okay, what's safe for the already? Uh, well, whatever it is, I know how, because I, I can see the way they daven, I see in the Yerushalayim. So that's, that's uh, I can tell from the questions they ask me in, uh, in Aetzis that therefore they get an A in Mesullah Shishar. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's one of my, my one of my favorite, uh, I would say my one of my top, uh, you know, it's in the top 10 favorites of the, of the, um, uh, Stuyot that Rashi Yeshiva espouse is uh, when they talk about how well the Talmud is doing because they see the way they daven uh, as if they could see into their minds and into what they are thinking, you know what I mean, into the actual, davening is not uh, simply saying words, um, right? It requires kavana, it requires a, a, a mindset. You know, look, look, it's clear to me that let's say you go to a yeshiva and and, and especially if there's a, a brand going on, it, it's almost like a robotic instinct to to shuckle more, to be involved in it, right? It, 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 follow that guy and be smart. I'm not saying, but it's easy to get caught up, especially, if, 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 and maybe their takar, his, his, his chavrusa and the guy next to him and the guy behind him. Right? I say it's stronger. I say it's stronger. Follow that guy into when he's when he's in the Israeli army for a month, and then see is he really davening, right? But we're not willing to give that kind of test. Yeah, and and again, I, it really is sort of a conundrum. I mean, we we both of us, I think, it's unfortunate. You know, there was a pigu, I think, this week, right? There was something that happened this week, um, an axe attack yesterday. So the, the need for the defense forces yes. to, to be at their ready, the need for, for the, the pride of what national service gives is so crucial, especially when the enemy is, 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 is there at, at every aspect. And yet, so much... Uh, there's, there's, this, there's a sense of achtus and a sense of... Not, I don't say achtus, that's the wrong word, but a sense of responsibility. So my son... Uh, um, you know, I, I I think I shared with you this story once before that, you know, he called me from the battlefield once he was, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this discussion about the, no, no, um, no body left, you know, left on the battlefield. So he and another soldier were guarding a, uh, the body of a soldier who, who, who had, who had died and they, they evacuated the, they were injured. They didn't have room for the body on the helicopter so they left my son and one other soldier guarding this body. They were going to come back with the helicopter when they could. So they were there for quite a number of hours within uh, about a mile of the front. So it was, it was quite a, uh, a difficult situation and, and, a, and dangerous situation. He called me from that situation. And um, uh, I was really, you know, I, I actually couldn't handle it. I asked him to call me back when he was in safety. Sure. It was too much for me. Uh, but but in that whole operation, he he mentioned when he was telling when he was talking about it that um, when they were uh, sorting, you know, the the injured and sending them into the helicopters and and figuring out the whole situation there, there was one soldier who was injured lightly, who who was who qualified. His injury was 
you know, he had a, a bandage wrapped around a, a, a flesh wound from a bullet, and he qualified to go back to the hospital to get it looked at, and he absolutely refused to get on the helicopter, and he, and he, he was waiting on the side for a tank to take him back into the, uh, to the front. So my son said to him, like, you know, I, I get it that, you know, you want to do your job, but like, you know, you're, you're injured and you really should go get it looked at. Like, what, what, what? So he looks at him, he says, he says, uh, all my brothers and sisters are relying on me. You know, and by that he meant Klal Yisrael. He meant Am Yisrael. Like, like, there's something very beautiful about that. And this, I don't know whether this guy was, was a, a religious guy or not. It doesn't matter. It's not... It, he he felt the responsibility of of uh, the rest of Am Yisrael. I think that's a very beautiful thing, and that's you know. I, I I agree with you, and this is again something that we need as Yom Atzmot has passed. But I think we have to continue um, being mafarsim the the greatness of so many of these uh, young, young men and women. And I saw you know Rochaim I saw the chavivas he had for soldiers, and not just in videos. I saw it actually when I was there uh, by in Rav Chaim's home, um, the way he talked with them and, and the, the 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 connection that was made. And and, and I think that the um, you're right. The fear, the boogeyman, has to be eliminated, and there needs to be a, a an honest um, appreciation. Say halil, don't say halil. shave, don't shave. But recognize really the the reality of what's happening there at Israel and the advantages, I guess, as we're saying, of uh, and, and the that that it bequeaths this type of army service. And I, you know, I, I, despite my son's frustrations, it to me is is my one of my greatest source of pride is that my son did something that 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 you know, you know my. my my, my father over Shalom was trying to get into Eretz Yisrael, but because of my, my sister's illness, they wouldn't give him a visa. His whole plan when he was escaping through Russia was to, through Groznia, was to come down through Turkey, and the, but he found the border closed. He was trying to get into Eretz Yisrael, and he was raised a chassidish boy on the, on the streets of Lodz. Um, and then after the war, that was the place he kept on, spite the plethora of relatives that we had that you, you're familiar with, many of them in, 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 in the United States, I want to get into Eretz Yisrael. I want to get to Eretz Yisrael. But because of Eretz Yisrael's bureaucracy and because they didn't want to deal with a, 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 my sister who, was, who had mental health issues, he was not able to get a visa to Eretz Yisrael. It was only through my, uh, my cousin who was willing to write a letter to the State Department in the United States that he would treat her uh, gratis, that the U.S. finally issued them a visa in 1951. Wow. So to me, the fact that my son and my other son who made Aliyah, who married an Israeli girl, that to me is, is that's the key of, 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 of the tikva, you know, using a tikva of, of so many, even Yidin that were raised in, in, in the Hasidic bastions of, 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 of Europe. So I think we, we have to take note on this Yom Atzmut and Pas Yom of what the great miracle, really, of, of what the establishing of that country and what has occurred. We need to be honest 
on, on our criticism, but we definitely uh, have to recognize the the milus and advantage and and Kasser shall not just use the day to um, you know to to just bandy about uh, you know facile type of yeah whether and so it's a little bit post yomatsmut, but I think I think we did it justice today. Rav Shmuel, it's always great to be able to uh, schmooze together. And uh, hopefully we'll be back, Rabbi Yisai, soon next week. Hopefully we have Rabbi Yisai Garfield back. Take care, everybody. We'll check out a hap post, as we say, a post-happy, happy post Yomatsmut as we head into Lag Bomer very soon. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 